Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. So today's free weekly shows are a little bit later this week um, as we were waiting for, for all the Serie A games to finish with Juventus playing on Tuesday evening, completing the programme. So we're going to react to all the, all the matches from the last match day, uh, including Juventus, who, who won 3-0 uh, against um, uh, Sassuolo on, on Tuesday. Uh, two great goals from Dusan Vlaovic, which means that the, the gap at the top of the table is back to two points. Inter, thrashing Monza, 5-1. So we'll be reviewing both of the two Scudetto contenders. Also Milan, who continue their, their renewed form, uh, winning 3-1 against Roma. But the biggest talking point of the week coming from that game is, of course, Jose Mourinho, who has now been sacked by Roma. So we're going to look at Mourinho um, and look at his time at Roma. Uh, what went wrong? Was it a success? What next for Mourinho? Uh, and what next for Roma? Because Daniele De Rossi has been appointed as the manager of Roma until the end of the, the season. Uh, elsewhere, Napoli get back into the top four races. They scored deep into injury time to, to break Salernitana's hearts. Um, they're also quite active on the on the transfer market as well. Lazio make it five wins in a row. Uh, Bologna's fairy tale is starting to turn a bit sour as they lose again to to Cagliari. Fiorentina slip up as well. So the top four race is is really really crazy. And we're also going to profile Juventus wonder kid Keenan Yildiz, who is um, really exploded in the last month or so. Uh, also, we're going to talk about. Uh, Gives our, our well wishes to Sven Goran Eriksson uh, and one of the most beautiful videos um, I have ever seen uh, from from Lazio's uh, his Lazio squad Scudetto winning squad absolutely beautiful um, and of course we'll have Baggio Premface and Sedia Ass of the week and all the latest transfer updates for all our first time listeners this is our free weekly episode that we do every. Monday, usually, Wednesday this week, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all of the questions from our patrons, plus a weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP, become a subscriber for just two ninety nine a month, plus VAT, and you can also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify, um, which will provide the link in the description. It's the same price and the same terms. And for all of you that listen on Spotify or on Apple and on iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating, uh, give us a follow and a like, uh, and also do the same on YouTube. It, it really helps us to grow and do more quality content for you guys. So let's get into today's show. Okay, so only one place to start, and that is, of course, the news from Roma with Jose Mourinho being sacked on Tuesday. Um, kind of a little bit expected. There were murmurings coming out. He has been under pressure because Roma have been in very, very bad form recently. And, of course, the last week has been very, very bad for the, for the team and the players and the fans losing to Lazio in the, the Coppa Italia, their, their rivals, their city rivals, and then being beaten 3-1 in the, the latest limp performance by Milan um, at the at the weekend. Um, so, 
First of all, Nima, what, what's your reaction to this sacking um, of Mourinho in the way that it's been dealt with by, by Roma? Well, my reaction to it, to this is that the Friedkins have, from a strategic point of view, from their perspective, they've handled this brilliantly because uh, Mourinho's contract expires at the end of June this season. They're not going to extend that. That was obvious, evident already last summer. It was evident that they weren't going to do that. There's always there's always going to be, you know, and, and sacking him was going to be very, very unpopular. So, naturally, they replace him with a Roma god, the, the second biggest god in the Rome in the Rome in the Roma Empire, and that is Daniele De Rossi. Um, Daniele De Rossi, who has had an awful uh, career as a coach uh, at Spal. Daniel De Rossi, no? Daniel, the way with the Daniel part, yeah. <laughs> Daniel De Rossi. Um, um, he, uh, he's had an awful start to his, to his coaching career. Um and so that will soften the blowback because no one is going to criticize Daniele De Rossi if you're a Roman, Romanista, even though you love Jose Mourinho. And more importantly, the Friedkins know that he's they don't they they only need him until the end of the season. Um, in the off chance that he succeeds, in the very off chance that he succeeds, and what do I mean by succeeds? He gets Roma to the Champions League, he wins them the Europa League, uh, something like that. Um, then they will then have to cross that bridge when they get to and keep him. But all likelihood points to the fact that he will fail miserably. The season's a write-off. And given the fact that Thiago Pinto has also left or will leave early February, then they can restart this entire project in the summer from scratch. Um, so, And then they also will not have to deal with the, with, with the calls to have Daniele De Rossi back at Roma. So from a strategic point of view, the Friedkins have played a blinder here. They've played- yeah, I saw some criticism from, from, uh, from Fabio Capello, really strong criticism yeah. against, <clears throat> against the, not so much the Friedkins, but more American owners as a whole. And I, I kind of see, I, I agree with him, his broader point, but I disagree with him, as you just explained there, about how they've dealt with Mourinho, because I can't blame them, really, for sacking Mourinho, because, I, I mean, this, this brings us on to, 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 you know, to has Mourinho been a success uh, at Roma? But you can't blame the Friedkins, because he hasn't, certainly when it comes to domestically, in terms of Serie A, he has, I would say, he's underachieved with Roma. Now, I'm not expecting Roma to be uh, a title challenger or to, to challenge to win the Scudetto or even to challenge for the top two or top three. But I am expecting them to, to challenge for top four. And if Mourinho is supposedly this elite manager on the salary that he's on, uh, one of the best coaches in the world, then you expect the top coach to get more out of their team uh, and not get less out of their team. And I believe that's what's, that is, well, there's no doubt about it in Serie A. That is what's happened. He's got two sixth-place finishers in a row. That's that's definitely underachieving in Serie A. And he, this season, they're ninth in, in Serie A. They've got the third-highest wage bill in Serie A. Now, OK, some of that has been badly spent. And that's not down to necessarily down to Mourinho. That also predates Mourinho. But, and they've also been, obviously, hamstrung in the market by you know this FFP that seems to have been going on for, I don't know, for decades with, with Roma, uh, with loan players and all this. But if you look at the players that he's got at his disposal... Especially in attack, Lukaku, Dybala, Pellegrini, and then Tammy Abraham as well uh, last season, and then Spinazzola when he was obviously he's had injury problems. But you know there is a lot of quality, certainly in attack. I mean, Roma boasts 
goals and attacking quality on a par with with almost anyone in, in well, Serie A. That, that from that aspect, I agree one hundred percent. I think Mourinho has failed in the in, in in the league in that from that aspect because in the sense that the the the, the what from two from two aspects. The, the first aspect is when you have Dybala, when you have Lukaku, Osmond, Pellegrini, um, Belotti, and you can't literally barely create in the final third. That has to, after two and a half years, be on the manager. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And then, of course, secondly, being that they look at Napoli, they look at Juve, they look at all these other qualitatively, they look at all these other squads and Lazio last season, and they're like, well, they have overachieved, especially, you know, if you look at Napoli and how much they spent, you look at Milan and when they won the Scudetto, how much they spent. They look at Lazio last season finishing second and how much they spent. And they're going, well, you failed. There's no doubt about and, that. And, given and how much the first spent. summer, just on that point, in the first summer, they spent a hell of a lot of money in Mourinho's first mm. summer. Then, of course, they had to rein it in last summer, the, the second summer that he was there. And then, of course, again, this summer. But they just, they spent a lot of money. to, to And okay, some that's not all on Mourinho, but um, is, is no, but it's 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 got to do with the fact that you have to be able to create more in the final third, and Mourinho's not been able to do that. He really hasn't at Roma. Um, I think overall the tenure, his tenure at Roma, will be remembered as as he'll be remembered as a hero because he won them their first European trophy, even though it was a minor Euro. Or, you know, people say it's the third most important trophy. It doesn't matter. They won it. He brought them to the final of the Europa League, which they lost on penalties. Very unlucky. And they deserve to win that game. And they deserve to win that game, although they did lose. And I don't think blaming Anthony Taylor is is, is helpful. I mean, that's just what Mourinho does, and that's mm. his thing. But, but he did, you know, if you look at overall on that, and you compare that to Roma's history, that is actually a success. Yeah, and if you ask any Roma fan, they love him. They worship him. Of course him. they do. The fans they in Rome they worship him. I mean, we, we were just saying on this pod last week that when he got yeah. sent off in that, in that game a couple yeah. of weeks ago, there, have you ever seen the, the crowd cheer and applaud him and give him a standing ovation to being to being sent off in a game that they lose? Uh, yeah. They lose or no, they draw that game? I, I can't remember. Yeah, because he, you know, you know they, he, he he played that politically really well, and he understood the the the, the atmosphere, and he he understood the, the and the love the he's got like when he was leaving the ground yesterday, and mm. and you know they were all going. No, up there's to his no car doubt and, that he was. There's no doubt that he understands. I mean, this is the kind of club he should. And he filled be at. out the stadium as well. I mean, that wasn't all yes. him. That wasn't mm. all him. That no. was also met some no. some changes they made in terms of getting the stadium. But this full, is but this is but the, the Roma he created and, a community and, again. He created. That's what I was going to say. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. And this is the, because Roma, Inter, these are the Porto, these are the kinds of clubs that he should be at. Meaning when he's at Real Madrid, when he's at Manchester United, who are establishment clubs. More corporate you know, they are, clubs. They are fo- they're football aristocracy. No, not corporate. They're football aristocracy. He is not that guy. He doesn't walk, you know, he's the guy who walks into the underdog and at the underdog club and builds an underdog mentality and then proceeds from there on. And he's, that's his biggest strength. And I think at Roma, that is, that's so true. And that was, that's what he was able to do. You know, he started playing youngsters, Romanisti, and he himself was you know, speaking about like why he's playing so many young Roma, Roma youth team players, because, you know, they, re- you know, if they weren't on the pitch, they'd be standing in the Curva Sud, you know, and, and he understood the importance there and he respected that. And he, he managed to criticize so many, pl- you know, many players publicly and they didn't, 
but stab him in the back, but instead they they turned up for him. I mean, that's something that he's always in the past few years he struggled with. But at Roma, that wasn't the problem. The problem was that it looked so bad on the pitch in the final third, despite having boasting attacking talent, um, that great attacking talent. Um, if you, if we're perfectly honest, and I think that's why it will ultimately cost him. But I think his tenure overall at Roma will be remembered fondly by Roma fans. Um, and, and yeah, and, and I think that's how he'll go down as. Um, but I think it does, this, this spell, talking about it from Mourinho's point of view, this, this, this spell just, just confirms everything that, well, everything that, that I predicted, I think we predicted when he, when he took over, but everything that I've been saying since, and I've said it so many times, since he, he was sacked by Chelsea in his second spell back in the 2015-16 season. I think it was December 2015. So we're talking about nine years, eight, just over eight years ago now. So a long time ago. And, um, and you know, I said back then that he was out, he was outdated and he needed to uh, change his, his, uh, his style and, and reinvent himself tactically uh, and stylistically. And that's eight, over eight years ago. And I said, if he doesn't do that, he won't succeed at the very highest level. And and then this row and everything that he's done since has confirmed that. But this confirmed this spell at Roma has confirmed that he's been great for Roma in that he's won them European titles. But we're talking at a certain level. We're talking at a, at a you know a minor European trophy. We're talking about the Conference League and then the, doing well in the Europa League. We're not talking at the top level. We're not talking about the Champions League. We're not talking about succeeding or challenging in even in Serie A two sixth place finishes and a ninth place this season Roma have only beaten one top 10 Serie A side this season uh and and you know this is this is Mourinho's level now that he can't go higher than this level and even at this level he's not even able to raise the level of a team of Roma's level anymore so this is where Mourinho has been for the last you know Eight years. This is the level he's been. And, and, and then, yeah, well, I think he has changed. I think it's unfair to say it's been a monolith for the last eight years. I think he has changed at Roma, and I think he has adapted. But the problem is that I don't think that the magic is there anymore. He's not, you know, I think he's always going to be a tactic. But he's not adapted in a way that's got brought him success at, at the no, level well, well, that he was no. before. He well, of course not. No, because, of course not, because football has changed and, and, and you know, playing that style of football, you know, you have to you have to update and keep with the times. Um, regardless of how much money you spend on the transfer window, you have to update your ideas. And Mourinho struggled to do that and he has updated. The problem is that this version of the updated Mourinho I don't think he's good enough to 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 be at the to, the top 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 elite clubs in Europe to win Champions Leagues or compete for Champions Leagues. That's that's just how it is. But you know, I think that he will now go into management, uh, and uh, sorry, go into national team management. Uh, well, that's the question now. What what is the where does Mourinho go from here? I mean, there's been strong links to Newcastle. Eddie Howe's under a lot of pressure there, and 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 Brazil national team. Very strong links to the Brazil national team because Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, I mean, Brazil, the Brazil F- Football Federation is is even worse than the Italian Football Federation. The way they the way that they run things over there is a complete shambles. They've, they've been without an international manager since the World Cup, uh, and they've been waiting and waiting for Ancelotti. And now Ancelotti has, has basically um, said no to well, them. Extended, extended, with extended with Real Madrid. So yeah. So um, so, so Brazil are there holding their 
well, you know what? And they're, they're like, well, what do we do now? And Mourinho is like one of the strong, strongest names for that job now. So, I mean, I think personally, like There's you, lots of rumours of him taking over England as well. Oh, yeah, I um, saw that as well. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I mean, look, I think that... Um, I, I, I think the England... English football is run too well to, to, to appoint Mourinho. I don't see them seeing Mourinho as somebody that fits in to their vision of, you know, no. development and player development no. and also the way they handle themselves off the pitch. Um, no. But with Brazil, I wouldn't put it past them because like no. I said, I think they're run so badly. That federation is run so badly and they're, they're almost chasing a big name now. And they're also chasing a foreign name rather than a, rather than a Brazilian name. So I think he could be a possibility for Brazil. I think, like you, that international management is maybe the best way for him to go now. He's in his 60s now. And like as we've said, he's not able to get a tune out of the biggest teams anymore. I don't think he's going to get an offer at one of the biggest teams anymore. I can't see it. Um, so I maybe- think it would be a mistake for him to go to Newcastle as well. I think, I think he would get along really well with the fan base. Again, us against the world mentality. It's a club that, you know, is not part of the football establishment. They're under attack. I mean, they feel they're under attack and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, well, you know, I think he will work there, but I just don't think the Premier League is for him to, for the right place for him to go. Um, and I've, I've also saw some crazy rumor of him going back to Chelsea, which made me laugh um, because that would just be. That, that would just show what an absolute joke <laughs> Chelsea are. Well, Todd Bowley, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't put anything past him. No, no so, but I, I just want to reiterate again, I think from a strategic point of view, they've played a fantastic, the Friedkins have played this brilliantly. They've gotten rid of a very popular manager. They've replaced him with a demigod in in, in the yellow, in the Giallo Rossi part of Rome, uh, who's destined to fail, and then they don't have to worry about him, calls for him to ever be called again for as long as a manager. To uh, they don't have to worry about fans calling for De Rossi once they get rid of him too in the summer, um, when everything goes pear shaped, which it will. I mean, I consider this season over for Roma. Now. I don't see Roma progressing very far in the Europa League. I don't. Pr- pr- I don't consider. I don't think Roma will will be in the top four race for much longer. I, I expect this to go the Mazzari route. Mm. As much as I love well, talking about De Rossi, as a player, talking about De Rossi, as a, a coach. Yeah, no. talking about De Rossi and what we can expect from De Rossi at Roma. Obviously, he's only had one managerial job, and that was with Spal. And we've had Joe Tacopina, the the owner of Spal, yeah. on the on the pod. And you've asked, you know, you asked him about yeah. him last time he came on. I mean, Tacopina spoke quite highly of De Rossi, didn't he? But then he also got rid of him. So yeah. what I mean what 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 can we expect of, of De Rossi? I, I I think what you will see is is someone who loves Roma, who will have all the players at every training session fighting for the shirt, uh what it means to play for Roma. Uh but tactically he's inept. Um and I'm not sure he can get I, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm almost adamant that the season's over for Roma. Roma's going to finish seventh, eighth, ninth, something like that, and that'll be the end of Daniele De Rossi as as a first team manager at Roma. Um, I just don't see it going well at all, uh, and I think the Freakins are okay with that because they're, what you're essentially saying is now okay. They have to. I mean, the reports coming out now that they have to make, they have to raise sixty million in transfer fees in revenue by the end of June to meet financial fair play uh, standards. Um, 
And to me, that is just essentially a fire sale. I expect Dybala to be sold. Uh, I expect the, Tammy Abraham well, to be sold. Don't get much for Dybala because he's got a very no, low but release cost. 50, yeah, but it's still fifteen million euros. You know, fifteen twenty million is goes a lot way when you got sixty million you got to make. Um, so it's 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 I, I I think it's a new project. I think you're going to see a new project similarly to what we saw a few years ago uh, when Sabatini came in. Um, and and first of all, they have to find a new sporting director. They have to f- who who in turn then finds a new coach, and then they have to start selling players and sacrificing players to meet these ridiculous financial fair play demands, which only seem to matter to which only seem to apply to Inter and Roma in Italy, uh, and and not very many other clubs uh, because they they appeal for some reason. Roma and Inter don't appeal UEFA's uh, UEFA's decisions. Um, but it's uh, it, it is what it is. Um, the, they, they, the the Friedkins have spent eight hundred million euros between buying the club and trying to get the club off the stock market, which they have succeeded in order to be able to have more maneuver room. And now they're in the settlement agreement, which they have to respect, and they have a new project they have to build. It's dark. It's it's a very unstable time for Roma. Uh, to Roma fans, I say enjoy this period because De Rossi is a is a club legend. You have fantastic attackers up front. Uh, enjoy European football. I hope I'm wrong and that you go all the way and win the, Euro- the Europa League and get, your- get yourselves into the Champions League. That would be un- un- unbelievable because you're not going to do. You're not going to get into Europe any other way. I just don't see that I, happening. I, yeah, I find it hard to actually make a prediction to Rossi because you know I didn't see much of Spal. I know he he was sacked there and everything, but you know I, I almost feel like it's it's a shot in the dark. Uh, I don't want to come out and say he's definitely going to fail because I've, I've got nothing to go on. Whereas with with Matsari and you know when I was you know Garcia like that was a guarantee that they were going yeah. to fail. We've seen them in the last decade and they've both been just just out of their depth. Whereas De Rossi, yeah, I mean it's a gamble. It's a huge huge gamble you're taking on someone. And and the thing is that Roma are not, you know, they're they're only five points off. Even though they're down in ninth place, they're only five point five points off uh, Fiorentina in fourth place. For that Champions League spot, and also remember that fifth place, as it stands, will get a Champions League place for for next season as well. So I mean, they're 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 still they still can recover uh, in 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 Serie A as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, that doesn't mean I'm saying they sh- they they were wrong to get rid of Mourinho because he clearly wasn't getting results to them and it wasn't working. So I I, I think it I think they made the right decision. I think to, to get rid of Mourinho. The question is whether. No, I, th- I think it was a mistake. Is the, is the, no, is the I think it's, it I think I think I think it's a mistake. I think it was a, it, it was they should have kept Mourinho until the end of the season because at least that way you know that Mourinho's teams always deliver in Europe. Um, Daniele De Rossi will not. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm very confident in saying that Daniele De Rossi will fail at Roma. I don't see this as a long term solution at all. I see this more as a way of protecting. As I said, it's a strategic decision to you get rid of an incredibly popular fan a popular coach in Mourinho but you replace him with the second most popular person in all of Romanità namely Daniele De Rossi you know that he's probably going to fail so you don't have to worry about sacking him and, and kicking him out uh come come the end of the season and then you don't have to deal with the De Rossi nonsense ever again um and that way it gives you completely way to say wipe the slate clean new sporting project new sporting director new coach here we here you know here we start here we start from scratch so Perhaps, uh, perhaps, but why did you do, why yeah. did you do that in January? Why you could have done that in March? You know, I mean, now you're you're you are. I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. Time will mm. tell. I mean, the Milan game. Let's talk. Let's just talk about it from the Milan point of view. Um, it was a very comfortable win for Milan uh, uh, against Roma. 
and they were they were completely dominant and in control of this entire game until uh, the the penalty that Calabria gave away uh, with 20 minutes to go, and then Roma kind of had a little bit of a flurry and a little bit of a uh, you know they threatened an equaliser before before Milan put them away. But um, but Milan are are I mean Pioli was in a position not too dissimilar to to Mourinho in terms of you know being under a lot of pressure. But now Milan have have really turned it around. They've won six. They've got six wins in their last eight now since then since that Newcastle win. Um, and you know domestically at least um, they they picked it up. But obviously there is the other side that they they did get knocked out by Atalanta in the Coppa Italia, which is a big blow which is a big, big blow because, I mean, now Milan are, have only really got one chance now of winning a title this season, and that's um, that's the Europa League. Um, so, you know, I think Milan have, have really picked it up and they're, they're playing well, aren't they, at the moment? No, they are. They are really are. And, and and I think that there were there was an instance, for me, it was a bit of a test. I look at this game a little bit as a test uh, for Pioli and his Milan in the sense that Milan were really dominant. They go 2-0 up. Then Calabria loses his head and does what Calabria always does and puts Milan in trouble. They score, Roma score, score reduce the, the deficit, the half half the deficit. Then, then I'm starting to think this reminds me of the Milan-Roma game last season when Milan were 2-0 up and just collapsed in the final 15 minutes to 2-2. Then I look at, and then I was like waiting, okay, how do Milan respond to this? And they were a bit nervy. There was a little bit of nervousness, but instead we see the individual brilliance pay off, the individual quality pay off with Giroud and Teo scoring a marvellous goal and Milan see off the game. So this was um, this was a, this was a test for Milan and they passed it. They, they did. Um, and, and to me, that shows growth uh, So for, for this Milan. So no, Milan are comfortably in third. I, I still think they will have some part to play in the in the title race because I, I I'd be very surprised if Juve and Inter both end up on north of ninety points. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we'll but see. But it means Milan can't slip up. Basically, that's the no. Well, they can't exactly. They 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 have they can't afford to 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 mess up anything else. They have to go on a winning run. Um, but what's good for them is that they're comfortably going to finish third. That, that, that's good for them. That means they can focus on the Europa League as well, which I hope they take seriously. Um, and I hope they go far and win. I want an Italian team in the final again of the Europa League. Um, I'm really hoping for that. No, I think they have so, to take it seriously because they, they have to try and go for a, for a, for a, for a trophy. Um, Milan, yeah. if it is a, a, a Milan like the past that were always challenging for trophies, then they have to yeah. always fight, try and at least fight for a title. And they yeah. didn't win anything yeah. last season. And, you know, they... They don't want to go out with a whimper, way off the Scudetto race and out of the Coppa Italia, and and you know go out early of the Cop- of the Europa League as well. Um, but but I mean the positives, the big positives from this from this game in terms of the players, I thought Giroud was 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 fantastic. We we've I've complained that he's not consistent enough now to be Milan's regular number nine. The the the, the, the good performances are becoming uh, rarer and rarer. Uh, and this was this was the Giroud that we need to see more consistently. He scored. He had a fantastic back heel assist for the the Teo Hernandez goal. Uh, and you know he's not been scoring enough, but this was the Giroud that we need to see more of. Uh, Teo Hernandez, of course, fantastic goal. Adley, I thought was a really great goal. Uh, did the feint inside. Um, 
I call that my skill. I used to, that was my signature move when I played, when I used to play Nima. I used to do that move all the time. I used to feint to shoot on one foot, bring it onto the other foot. The defender would always fall for the dummy and then you put, and then you shoot with the other foot. Um, <laughs> that was a, that was a, that was a lovely goal from, from Adley. I thought Ryan does magical at times. Uh, some of his little bursts and moves. Uh, I, I really think Rinders with the right coach, maybe it's purely, but with the right coach, I, I think Rinders has got a really high ceiling. If no, he, I do as well. If he's developed, really, really he needs do. the right the right coach, the right environment, the right setup, the right kind of foot playing, the right kind of football. Um, hmm. And, and also, I mean, Adley, you know how much I rate Adley, and I, I love these little runs and bursts that he does. He's he's got so much. He's got so much talent. I, I just, the more I look at this Milan, the more I just think that we are headed for the, um, I mean, some people say Thiago Motta, that makes more sense from a Jerry Cardinale and, and the, mm. the perspective of, you know, young and blah, blah, blah. And also that way you can also kind of guarantee that Joshua Zirkse will prefer going to Milan. Um, but uh, I, I still think Antonio Conte is, if you want to win the Scudetto in the next year or two, you go for Antonio Conte because mm. Thiago Motta has never coached at a big club before, even though he played at a many, many... Yeah, it's an interesting clubs. one. It's interesting, especially as Milan, uh, and we'll deal with this now, we're just going to talk about it after, that Milan are also looking to try and sign uh, Bongiorno from Torino, yeah. who I, I think I, it will be very, very difficult for them to sign him in January. I think his price tag is too high. I think it's more realistic. And also Torino wants to keep him this month as well. I think it's more realistic that he leaves Torino in the summer, wherever that may be. But we know that Milan want him. We know that Bongiorno would like to move uh, and move to a big club. And his numbers this season are fantastic as well. He's he's in all the main categories um, in terms of tackles, in terms of interceptions, in terms of uh, aerial uh, challenges. Um, he's 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 right up there with everyone. Bongiorno. He's been one of the best defenders in in Serie A this this, this season. He's right up there. He's been, he's been fantastic. Uh, and uh, and also he had that great game also for Italy, didn't he? In the, that that uh, crucial uh, Euro qualifier against uh, against Ukraine, he, he played in that game, didn't he? And he and he and he played really really well in that match. Um, so with Buongiorno, the question is, I mean, I hope that Milan sign him. If Milan sign him, I hope he's signed to play in a back four because that's what I want. I want our defenders to play in back fours because for the Italy national team more than any any, any anything else, but. Milan are going for Bongiorno. Is there? It does make you think the fact that he plays in a back three for Torino. It does make you think: Are they signing him for Antonio Conte? You know, there is that question to ask, isn't there? Uh, with with Bongiorno, so maybe, maybe it's possible. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. Let's move on to Juventus and the, the most recent game. So that was on Tuesday night. Juventus win three 0 against Sassuolo. Um, it was a game that. I don't think Juventus played particularly well, but they were so comfortable and they barely broke sweat throughout the game. Um, they because it's all are dreadful. They really are an awful side. They um, they they didn't play well. No, they they, they no, didn't offer. Awful. They, didn't, they are awful. They didn't. They are awful. awful. Let's be honest. Well, they're so awful, awful, but they've beaten three time. of the big teams in Serie A this season, including Juventus yeah. and Inter. So well, because I mean, he choked against them, and Juve, I mean, what Juve choked against them away as well. They are an awful side, and and they will need to do something because I, you know, if it weren't for the others being as bad as they are, they could really, really be relegated. You, mm. you know, there's a real chance of that. And and it's it's strange uh, to say that about Sassuolo, but they are really poor. Um, and and Consigli 
Oh my! Because oh, Silly had moved. one of the, the biggest shockers I've I've seen. He was at, he was at fault for all three goals, uh, particularly the first two. I mean, they've got Cranio in goal. I don't understand why they don't give him a chance. I mean, he can't be. I don't like Cranio either, to be honest with you. Well, I prefer Cranio to Consigli. So I think he likes Consigli because he is on the ball with his feet. He's absolutely mm. insane. He means like Onana, like the Italian Onana with his feet. Mm. I mean, he's brilliant. Like some of the passes he does. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it doesn't help if you're letting goals, letting goals like he did uh, against Juventus. <laughs> but I mean, look, talking from the Juventus point of view. Um, they they were 2 0 up at half time. Do you know what the XG was at half time? No. 0.27 XG. And they were 2 0 they were 2 0 up. Um Juventus actually didn't create a chance in this game until the 75th minute when Chiesa cut it back for Weyer and he put it and he put it over. That's actually the first chance that Juventus had in the game. They didn't create anything, but they also conceded nothing at all. They, they were rock they're rock solid, they're organized, they're structured, and once they get ahead. Juventus, they seem to have this, this <coughs> Allegri has this knack of being able to just kill games in terms of just like, almost it's almost like they sap the strength and the energy out of the opposition to be able to do anything. <laughs> like it's, it's just like one of those superpowers that, that, you know, where you just take the strength out of the opposition and um, take the sting out of them. And, and, but, you know, we have to look at Vlaovic because he was the guy that really, with Juventus not playing well, he's the guy that, that broke the deadlock in this game. Um, with a, I mean, it was an excellent strike, left foot, beautiful left foot. But yes, it's virtually in the middle of the goal. Consigli should do better. The second goal, the free kick, is a brilliant free kick. It's fantastic. You just don't see many. Hmm. I mean, you don't see many free kick goals anymore. It's, it's, yeah. uh, I mean, it's partly, I think, mostly down to the footballs. They're all plas- these plastic. Plastic, uh, beach plastic beach balls that people just don't seem to be able to get up and down anymore. Um, maybe the pitches as well, you know, because they're almost they're semi-plastic pitch, synthetic pitches, and you can't get under the ball. You can't get under the ball as well. Like you ever try and take a free kick on concrete and then try and take a free kick on real grass, you'll, you'll see the difference. You'll, you'll know what yeah. I mean. Uh, maybe it's that as well. Maybe it's just that players don't practice it enough. Maybe it's that players... Or maybe it's also partly what I've been saying for a long time, and that is that football is moving away from skill to athleticism. Just yeah, like that, yeah. No, that as well, yeah. The individual skill and technique And also, I think not... it's it's also down to, and I know this for a fact, that it's actually because te- uh, football teams, they have all these stat- stats teams and they look at the numbers of how many goals are scored from long shots and also from free kicks that the numbers are so low that they're also teaching players just not to shoot. I mean, in open play, just don't shoot from long range because the chances of scoring are so low. There's actually a higher probability rather than taking a long shot from 30 yards and just keeping the ball, passing it out wide and put a cross in or trying to one-two or trying to three ball. There's there's more chances of scoring that way than there is. And so they're drilling that into teams. So so players are are shooting less from, from long range, but... I mean, free kicks is a slightly different dynamic, especially when there's a, sh- a chance from, like, say, on the right on the edge of the area. But you just don't get, and and I think that's what makes football one of the reasons why I don't enjoy football as much nowadays as I do in the past. Like these kind of beautiful artistic things, like long range goals and like free, brilliant direct free kicks. You just don't see them much anymore. No skill. The individual skill has gone down. It's more about athleticism. It's all about system, systematic. Uh, and, and, and that's great. I just, I think you can have both. I just don't like seeing skills sacrificed at the altar of, uh, of, of systematic Me football. And, yeah. It's and, gone and too it's, far. It's, and that's why when you yeah. see a free kick like this, even though, again, I think Consigli should do better. He doesn't move his fit, feet 
enough. He didn't actually have to travel that far. It's still a great free kick. I mean, it's a fantastic free kick. It's it's, it's off the bar and in. It's, he's put it in a great area. It's put, he's whipped it in with a lot of pace. It's a fantastic free kick. A good keeper, a top keeper saves it, but I don't want to take anything away from Blauwich. These are two fantastic shots with a, and it shows you know, the left foot quality that he has in that left foot. He has a, a special left foot. He has a left foot that there's only a few players really in European football that have a left foot that's better than that. You know, you're talking a Messi or a Dybala or, or I don't know, a Haaland or, you know, there's, there's not many players that can shoot with that left foot with the power and accuracy that Vlaovic can. So this was a, even though the keeper should have done better, this was a, a demonstration uh, of of that and in general to, again talking about Blauwich he's becoming increasingly more decisive with his performances he as we said last week or the week before he's he's got that more that determination that serenity uh, mentally I think he's taken a leap recently his hold up play was wasn't as good in this game as it was against Roma it was mixed he had some good moments where he held it up and laid up he also had some the odd heavy touch here and there um, but his hold-up play has definitely improved as well in recent weeks. So, yeah, you have to you have to say to you have to take your hat off to Vlaovic. I mean, he was the for me he was the one that really was the difference in this game because, as I said, Juventus didn't actually create a clear chance to the 75th minute. It was Vlaovic scoring two two goals, really almost kind of out of nothing, really. So, Vlaovic becoming a an important player for Juventus again. No, he is, and he's becoming decisive for Juve, and, and building. You know, this young Juve continues to to take take steps in the right direction, and and proving that Allegri can work with kids, um, and and that you know it's it's uh, he he's this is a serious title race, and and as I said before, I think I think Juve are going to win it. I think Juve are going to win it. I think this is going to be Allegri's greatest miracle as a as a coach. And I know before people stop stop pissing and moaning about, oh, he's the highest paid coach in the league and they're paying the highest wage bill. I'm quite aware of that. But I think as Fabio Paratici's career has demonstrated at Juve, spending lots of money doesn't necessarily translate into spending money on quality. So, no, I don't. you can't tell me, sit here and tell me that Juventus squad is qualitatively the best in the Serie A. That's ludicrous. It's not. Um, they are Inter's is on paper, and I think we could we could also argue Napoli's is, um, but 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 what you are doing because of Allegri is that they've got a structure in place, they've got a very organised structure in place. He's I mean Bremer has really come to his own this season. He's been arguably the best central defender. He's been in, he's been incredible, in, in, in hasn't he? Serie A, and he's starting to prove what a fantastic player he is and what he offers, and um, and that stability in the system and and also. You know, integrating young players into this, and 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 Vlaovic giving him the time to succeed, and you know, as giving him the time to fail and allowing him to learn from that, uh, and 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 you know, consistently going with that, and and you know, grinding systematically grinding teams down, um, is it builds. I think one one, one thing that's very been very very important in the, the in the last weeks, in the last let's say the last three to four weeks. Is and I said this in December in the pod. I said, look, it's unsustainable for Juventus to 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 keep winning if they're without their attackers contributing anything. Because Juventus went through this this long this this long run, probably six or seven games, where they just kept winning one nil, one nil, one nil, thanks to goals from from headers from defenders or or from midfielders, and 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 the the attack were were contributing nothing. I said, look. The attackers need to score. If Juventus are going to actually try and stay with Inter and try and challenge them for the Scudetto, 
the attackers need to start scoring. And they have been. In the last three to four weeks, the attackers have started have started to score. Uh, Vlaovic has scored two here. Um, he's been, like I said before, been in, he's, he's, he's really picked up in the last month. Milik scored three in the Coppa Italia mm. last, uh, in the last midweek. Yildiz, of course, has had this breakthrough with the with three goals in the last in the last month, and Chiesa as well come back on the the score sheet um, in this game. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first open play goal that Chiesa scored since that defeat to Sassuolo in the in the in the mm. in back in September. That's how long Chiesa hasn't scored hasn't mm. scored in open play. He did score a penalty in that, that draw against Genoa um, in uh, in Serie A. So. I mean, this is this is crucial because there are going to, and like, like I said before, there are going to be games where you don't play well or that they are tight, and that's when you need your attackers to to score. And like Vlaovic did in this game, also to produce a moment on their own, out of nothing, to break the yeah, deadlock. The you know, that's yeah. what top players are for. They're, they're, that's the difference that the top players make, and that's what exactly. you need from your attackers. Um, so you know, that is very very important. And also, there's Moise Keane as well, who we'll have to see what happens if he goes out on loan. I would keep him personally. I think keep. I would keep, from Juventus' point of view, keep him. Have those five players um, because that's a lot of potential firepower you've got there uh, between now and the and the end of the season. I know from Keane's point of view, he might want to leave to guarantee more playing time with the Euros. From Italy's point of view, it's probably better. And from Luciano Spalletti's point of view, it's probably better that Moisa Keane leaves. Uh, certainly on loan till the end of the season, but from Juventus's point of view, I'd keep him. There's, there's potential goals. There's a lot of potential goals now in the in the Juventus attack. So that is very very positive, and it just completes the circle really from that four one defeat in September to Sassuolo, where I mean everything was a complete mess. Juventus had, had a bad start to the season again. Everyone was thinking this is just the third season in a row, like it's been under Allegri, and now since their record since then is played seventeen, won fourteen, drawn three, lost none. And they've only conceded six goals in 17 games, which, as I said the other week, is comparable to Inter's defence. Uh, mm. Might even be better than Inter's defence in that time period, not overall the whole season. So, you know, it's looking good. Uh, now they have the chance to, to go top. They have to beat Lecce at the weekend because if they beat oh, yeah. Lecce at the weekend with Inter playing in the Super Cup, they go top of the league and then they start to put pressure on Inter. Then we start to see, well, what are Inter, what, what will Inter be like, you know, behind with the, cup, with the game coming in beginning of February at, at uh, Inter versus Juve in, in Milan. You know, it, it creates another dynamic, especially from a mental point of view, which is probably Juventus' strong point, I think, is the mental point of view right now. Um, so it's, which yeah, is exactly it's why I think, which is exactly why I think that Juve will win the Serie A this season. Because playing once a week and going ahead of Inter, even though they have one game played more, uh, with Inter uh, travelling to Saudi Arabia, this ridiculous cup, and then in the Champions League, I think it's going to have an impact. Uh, I, I don't, you know, but for Inter's perspective, then Inter just have to repeat the first opening half uh, of the season. Meaning, you know, if if they beat, if they draw Juve, they don't have they don't have to beat Juve. Um, they just need to draw Juve uh, and 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 to beat Atalanta at home in that game where they've got in hand. And then you know they're 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 masters of their own destiny. But it does put pressure on Inter, and I think that. Mm-hmm. Inter in these situations, I don't think that Inter, this this Inter from ownership to management to players to to coach to everyone they've never been locked in a title race with with Juve. They don't know what that means. They don't understand the dynamics of that. And I hope I'm wrong, and that Marotta's ice cold, calm leadership is able to break that spell. I just don't think it will. 
I, mm. do I don't know. We'll see. No, it's it's fantastic. It's fascinating. I think look, there's no doubt. Inter are definitely the the, the clear favourites. They've got the better team. They've got the better squad. They've got the better attack. They've got the better defence. Um, they've got despite what you said, they've definitely got more experience. Uh, that's seen by the players that their the, the, the experience gets the Champions League final. This Juventus team, not many of them have won even won a Scudetto. None of them, very few of them, have been in a title race at all. Only only a very few players, whereas Inter players have. So I think like everything goes in Inter's favour in terms of quality and experience and everything. But Juventus obviously playing a once a week is big, it is very important, uh, especially if mm. Inter go deep in the Champions League, which I really believe they, they're good enough to go deep in the Champions League. They've got the quality. There's no doubt about it. And which is will, why. That will take it out of them later on. But it, but it also depends how far Inter go. If Inter to get knocked out in the last 16, then of course the dynamic changes again. So which there's is lots why, of ifs and buts and, you know, could there be injuries why, and, and all Which these- is why I'm hoping and praying... Uh, that Inter lose to Lazio on Friday in the champ- in the Supercoppa. I think this is a complete irrelevant tournament. I would have rather played Atalanta, and I hope that they don't go deep in it. I hope they they punt it. Um, I, I I really don't. There's want no to third assume... and fourth playoff, right? It's just no, it's just no, no, semi final no, no. then final. Yeah, yeah, yeah same final final. So I hope Inter play on Friday, and I hope. And when's that they the lose final? When's the final if they go I through? I think oh, I think it was on Tuesday or Mon- Monday or Tuesday. I think yeah. it was Tuesday. Um, think so because uh if i remember correctly uh the the second semi-final is on saturday isn't it i thought it was thursday and friday oh yeah you're right it's thursday and friday sorry um let me just so it's probably monday or tuesday the final then, yeah. isn't it yeah let me just see yeah it's uh the, yeah it doesn't it, it's it's yeah, monday it's, a, it's monday yeah, I've it's it. monday yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah monday evening yeah, Monday evening. So for me, uh, from that perspective, I hope Inter lose this because again, look, Inter have already won the Super the Super Cup twice, two and two years in a row, having beaten Juventus and Milan, and those are the only times the Super Cup ever matters for Inter, Juve, and Milan is when they play each other. Other than that, who cares? Especially when you're locked in a title race, a title where that you really want to win, and then you have a great chance to win. So for me, punt it. Couldn't care less. I, you know, let Lazio and Napoli have a chance. Mm. You know, good luck to them. Yeah, okay. Well, on Inter, though, I mean, they were absolutely fantastic against Monza. 5-1. They had an XG of just under five as well in this game. I mean, totally dominated. You could see from the first five minutes they were going to absolutely run right in this game. They were were creating chance after chance right from the the first whistle. They're now the second highest scorers in Europe this season. Mm. 49 goals behind only Bayern Munich. And if... Inter are to win the Serie A, this is exactly the kind of response they have to give to all the nonsense from last week's Bastoni bullshit that we all had to listen to. This is the kind of performance I want to see week in, week out in the Serie A. Whether it's Monza, Juve, Roma, Lazio, Hellas, whoever, this is the kind of performance I want to see from Inter. I want an Inter that goes out there and, you know, shows who's the boss um, against these lesser teams, um, these smaller teams. And, and, and one thing they've done, which I noticed in the Monza game, as opposed to so far this season, is that Inter have kind of played long game in games. They kind of, you know, said, okay, the game is two halves, it's 90 minutes. We don't need to bum rush and, and destroy the opposition uh, within the first 30 minutes. And that's kind of been a stressing factor for them. But in the, and uh, well, that's the, or the fact that they used to do that in previous seasons used to become a stress factor for them because they used to create chance after chance after chance. They didn't score, the opposition scored, and they mentally started hanging with their heads. 
But so far this season, it's been, been another way around. We've seen a maturity. But what ha- that has also led, and the, which is what's so difficult about the Serie A, is that your opposition reads you quickly, and then they start adapting to you accordingly. Um, so what Inter did and Simone Inzaghi did in this game was to say, no, actually, we're going to go for it from minute one. And they did. And they absolutely, I mean, Paladino said it best after the game when he said that, look, Inter were just didn't give us a second, didn't give us an, an inch to, to, to breathe. And, you know, we, they were all over us from the, from the first minute. And they completely dominated um, and, and just showed that this is, that, you know, imposed themselves on the opponent, especially if it's a smaller team away from home and won deservedly, you know, um, they were outstanding. And 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 the, if they are to win the scudetto, if they are to win the Serie A, this is how Inter have to perform. They have to understand that a, a win against Milan is worth as much as a win against Monza away, and they have to treat every single game like a cup final uh, in the Serie A. And, and it's for that reason that I don't think that if they, you know, this this Supercoppa and the Champions League. I don't really care. I really want... It's so important when they've gone out and said that they want to win the Serie A, that they actually win the Serie A, because that's not good for their belief and confidence if they don't win it. Um, so, you know, this is what they have to do. This is the approach, the mentality, the, the attitude they have to have if they are to win the Serie A title. Yeah, and Lautaro again, two more goals, 18 now. Turam, another goal and assist. I mean, this partnership is incredible. Chalinoglu, I mean, we've said it before. Mm, um, unbelievable. I mean, he's the, best, he's the best central midfielder in the in the league. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and he's, I mean, so lethal from penalty. He didn't score the second penalty. He'd already gone off, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah. so that's why Lautaro took it. Okay, and, all right. And... Because I did write down that he'd, he'd broken the record for, for Milito and Zlatan, but he, had, he didn't take the second one. So that, that's what I was mm. wrong. Um, he's so good at penalties. He's so good at set pieces. He's long shots, as we were saying before. The, his cl- basically the way that he the clean the, he's so clean with the way that he 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 strikes the ball. Um, he's uh, he's in the he, he's a fantastic player. Um, he really no, he is. is. But Inter, you know, Inter I have to say though, Nima, though, I have to say Monza, Monza. We talk about such sort of Monza have been awful this season. They've been a real big disappointment for me this season. Monza, Monza against the big clubs. This this season against the big clubs, they they've been dominated by Inter home and away two 0 and five one beaten by Juventus two one thrashed by Milan three 0 thrashed by Atalanta three 0 beaten by Roma one 0 um, they were lucky to get a draw against uh, Napoli and they drew with Lazio I mean they've been so bad this season I, I've been really disappointed by them as well I was as good as Inter were um, I, I have to say I, I've been I have been disappointed by Monza Palladino I think has taken a bit of a step back this season he was somebody that everybody was talking so highly about last season. And I've been disappointed by them this season. I think they're more attacking mind. Like they're much more open this season. They're easily to carve out um, this season mm. than they were last season. And, 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 and you've seen that because you've seen more attacking youngsters coming through and, and, and you know, making a name for themselves, Carboni, Colpani, uh, Churia, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, that that's part of it. Um, but it's. Uh, I think it's also that I think it's also with Monza that they um, they I, I don't think they had the, the best transfer market either. I think like if you look at the players they lost last season, like they lost Vela, they lost Sensi, and then if you look at the players they brought in in defence, um, you know, <coughs> D'Ambrosio has passed it. Uh, Calderola, I don't know what where this revisionism has come with Calderola that he's some kind of great player all of a sudden. He's not. 
and we saw he's that in really this game. Not. He's a t- he's he really not a good player. Um, he has a couple of good games, scores a couple of headers off corners, and all of a sudden people think he's 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 great. He's not. Um, and then Cagliadini playing in defence in this game. I don't know what yeah. the hell that was all about. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I think uh, and even Pessina has has is I mean he's out of the it been dropped from the Italy squad. He he's I know he scored the goal that got disallowed, but he he yeah he's not. Not been the same player that he was a couple of years ago, and and they're not getting much out of their attackers either. So yeah, it's it's um, I've been a bit disappointed with Monza, even though they're quite comfortable. In no, the I I I, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm not disappointed with Monza. They're, they're smack in the middle where I expected them to be. I am exp- I'm a little bit you know disappointed maybe with how they've fallen through in some games, but overall I think they're having a season on par with well exactly the kind of season I expected them to have. If I'm perfectly honest. Let's move on to Napoli now. Napoli get out of jail, beating Salernitana 2-1 with a 96-minute winner off a corner from Rachmani. Is this the, the, the goal and the result that turns their season around, Nima? I think that's too soon to say, um, but it's definitely a win that they desperately craved. I I wonder if they had not won that game, um, Napoli, how how De Laurentiis reacts to that because it's, I mean, it's <laughs> you don't beat Salernitana, you don't who are dead last, then. You know you're in trouble, um, but they did win. Uh, they were, some would say they were lucky. Um, others say they deserved it. I, I, I the, the, doesn't matter where you stand. It's still not a good performance by Napoli, if you ask me. I think there are still questions to be had. And now they go into the um, the Super Cup. They're playing Fiorentina on Thursday or tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday, um, and then. You know, they won't play again until the 28th, where they play Lazio away, a direct rival for that fourth spot. Uh, and then they've got Verona at home and Milan away, and then Napoli at home, and then the Champions League. So it's uh, they, they need to put points on the board, and they manage to do that. And, and at the end of the day, that's kind of all that matters. But again, not an impressive performance at all by any stretch of the imagination by, by Napoli. Yeah, I mean, if we try and look at this positively... It, they needed the win. They needed the points. Uh, it's crucial. Uh, and you look at now the top four race, which we're going to come to now, you know, they're, they're right there. They're right back in the top four race. And and they, they, they're they on, uh, well, they're still down in eighth, but they're on 31 yeah. points. And yeah. Fiorentina are fourth <laughs> with 34 points. So, you know, they're, 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 they're right in there. Um, so they needed the win. Uh, some might say that maybe a draw or a loss in the long term might have been better if it meant that Matsari was going was gonna to get sacked. That's probably my school of thought. But yes, they, they, it wasn't good. It was an abysmal first half. They, they created nothing. Uh, they went 1-0 down. They were lucky to get a penalty in injury time of first half out of nothing. It was one of those modern penalties that Mourinho was complaining about that was similar to the one that Hoyson conceded against Lazio in the in the Coppa Italia that, that got Lazio the win against against uh, Roma. Um and you know the 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 patterns of play, the attack was pretty impotent, with the exception really of Kurat Scalia, who yeah. was trying to do it all alone, which was didn't work, but did at the end. He he went on two fantastic runs at the end and shots uh, one one that um, he should have scored, another one which he was just really unlucky. 
Um, it just doesn't feel like a team anymore. It feels like no. they don't, they're not playing as a team. The, there's no cohesion. There's no cohesion there's none. at all. There's no. none. It's, it literally is 11 individuals. Um, and it's, it's remarkable how this has deteriorated, um, how quickly yeah. it has. And, yeah, and how it wasn't it good. Goes. It wasn't good. I mean, defensively, they conceded nothing in this game. Kandreva scored another one, the goal, which he always does against big teams. Um, that's the positive. But at the same time, you've got to remember this. Who are they playing? They're playing Salernitana, bottom of the table. You know, and don't get me wrong, I feel awful for Salernitana. They've been so unlucky this I season. I was going to say, they, they are so I mean, Two unlucky. games in a row, they've conceded 90 injury time goals. Yeah. I think they're the team with the most points dropped from winning positions this yeah, season. So many are. of them late goals to cost them. I feel awful. I felt so mm. sorry for Inzaghi. You could see he looked crushed at the end. Yeah. And, I, and I thought it was a really nice touch. As much as I criticised Matsuri, I thought it was a beautiful human touch for him to go over to, to, to Inzaghi and give him a hug before even the final whistle had been had been blown. You know, when the goal went in, he went over to him and he gave him a hug just as the kind of just to say, well, what can I say? <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry. Like he was almost apologising. Mm. You know, I thought that was really, really nice. I felt awful for him. But from Napoli's point of view, yeah, you, you, you shouldn't be struggling like this um to you know and it, yeah it, I, I i i don't see anything from this to suggest that they're going to turn it around i don't i i, I really don't um also clarence scalia and ossiman are out of the next game against lazio so is anguisa of course because because he's at the africa cup of nations can you see them beating lazio in form at the moment without those three i mean I can't. <laughs> I, I can't, can't either. I can't either. But at the same time, I don't trust Lazio and Ro- <laughs> And so... <laughs> I don't. But I mean, who's going to play up front? Zerbin? I mean, what is this obsession with Zerbin? I mean, this is another criticism I've got to make about, not about Mazzari, but about De Laurentiis and the transfer market that's been so bad this summer. Lazio, let Elmas go before the January transfer market started, Right. He knew that Anguissa as well was going to the Africa Cup of Nations. This is a, a Napoli midfield that was already short. So they've had to start the first games of 2024 so short on centre midfielders that in this game, they had to start Cayuste and Gaetano against Salernitana. I mean, that is just unforgivable. If you're going to let Elmas go, fine. But you have to have a replacement in for him already so that you can go into your games with available options, not playing Gaetano and Cayuste because you've rushed to get him out of the door and you haven't brought in a replacement. It's embarrassing. It's always amateur, amateur management from, from De Laurentiis. And, and the, I mean, who the hell is, I don't even know who's in charge of transfers at the moment. I have no idea who's making the calls. It's such a sh- It's such a mess there. I mean, that's just, I mean, Cayuste's vision is abysmal. His vertical passes, his, 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 his I mean, there was the second half, there was an example in the second half where he had an easy ball across the six-yard box for a tap-in at the far post. And he was on he was on the left hand side of the penalty area. And all he had to do is cut it, put it a ball across the box, tap in at the far post, and he, he passed it backwards to a Napoli player behind him. <laughs> he just he just does not see things at all. Um, but it wasn't just him. It, it wasn't just him. Uh, it's just yeah, Gaetano came off. I mean, this is this what's come is come to for, for Napoli. I mean, I know they're signing players now. It looks like Ungong, Ungong is, is, is whose name I always butcher every time is coming in from um, from Verona. <laughs> and uh, they're obviously trying to sign a centre midfielder, Samatsic, uh, Kone, but they're struggling with both of those. Um, but yeah, just I just wanted to highlight how bad the, the management has been with the, tra- with the transfer market that you let Elmas go and you don't have replacements for him. 
Um, I, I've got nothing more to add. You're absolutely spot on, spot on. Yeah. Um, I do want to, again, I, I feel like I, I do this at least three or four times a season, but Kandreva again, uh, again, I mean, what a goal. What a goal. His record against big clubs is insane. I've, I've, I've talked about his long-range shooting and how insane his long-range shooting is and how he's been one of the best in Europe in the last decade at shooting, scoring goals from outside the area. Um, this season, though, against the big clubs, he scored against Roma twice, Lazio, Milan and Napoli <laughs> this season. Uh, and last season, he scored against Inter, Juventus, Lazio, Roma, Atalanta. And this is for Salernitana, the bottom of the table. Um, and he scored six goals this season already for the team that are bottom of the league, playing from you know wide midfield. And he's um, he turns thirty seven next month. I mean, I love the guy. He, he's he's just I love him. I absolutely love him. I know Inter fans like yourself. Obviously, being an Inter fan, you're not going to have the same love. I just love the guy. I, I really do. I, I think he's amazing. I think he's absolutely amazing. Um, and then this was another fantastic goal from him. No, it was an absolutely stunning goal. There's no doubt about that. It was, it was, it was genuinely unbelievable. It was, it was beautiful, beautiful worked goal. Mm. Um, but uh, no, look, it's um, he, he, he. This is the thing with him that it's been the problem with him in his entire career, hasn't it? That he kind of always, like, he can't deliver at the biggest clubs and biggest stage, but he's too good to be in a mediocre club either. It's like, you're kind of difficult to, <laughs> to, to, to play. Stuck some, in between worlds. Yeah. Stuck in between worlds. And, mm. but he, I mean, his long shots are ridiculous. It's, it's just, he scored some and insane goals. He can, he can lace them, them well. but he can also curl them. Like he did yeah, in he this can. one. He can do both. No, yeah, I've seen him both score as well. mad goals, both for Inter as well. Like absolutely insane goals. Yeah. Uh, no, he's, he's, I love him. I love. I love him. I hope he. Keep, I hope he keeps playing. Um, right, let's have a look at the top four race now. Let's let's go through this a little bit quick quickly because we're we're running out of time. So let me first of all read out the table because it is it is so so tight there in the in the top four race. Um, so we have obviously the top three are, are way ahead. Then we have Fiorentina in fourth, thirty four points. Atalanta fifth, thirty three. Lazio sixth, thirty three. Bologna seventh, thirty two. Napoli eighth, thirty one. Roman 9th, 29, and then even Torino in 10th on 28. So there's six points between 4th and 10th and and uh, five points between 4th and 9th. So it's really, really tight. And then the, the results uh, involving the top four teams this, this uh, latest round were Genoa-Torino Genoa, 0-0 and... Napoli, uh, of course, winning 2-1 against Salernitana. Lazio winning 1-0 against Lecce. Bologna losing. Again, they're on a bad run now. They've lost 2-1 they lost two to Cagliari. And then Fiorentina drawing 2-2 with Udinese and Milan, Milan losing 3-1. Sorry, Roma losing 3-1 to Milan. And Atalanta thrashing Frosinone 5-0. Um, so <coughs> I just, I'll, I'll roll, 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 run through these. So Atalanta, first of all, They've won seven of their last nine games in all competitions. They're in great form. Tetzel has got a great goal. Edison, Arthur Chalonoglu, best centre midfielder in Serie A this season for me. Been fantastic this season. But I also want to say about Frosinone, they're in free fall. They're only two points above the relegation zone now. They've got five defeats in a row in all comps. One point in seven games in Serie A. Should Di Francesco be sacked, Nima? Um... It's a difficult one, isn't it? 
But maybe I mean, how yeah. long do you let them keep losing like this? Though, well, that's the thing, though. If 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 we're if they're really if I, I think maybe I think I'd still want to give him a little bit more time. But unless something changes, yeah, it's it's time to do something because they could really, really be relegated. Despite all the great things they've done, it could be worth nothing. Yeah, if we're perfectly honest, they're so open every game. Yeah, but that's that's when you, when you hire. No, but not. Hire as, I mean, Francesco. the beginning of the season they were open, but they were they they weren't like they are now. Now now they, 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 there's xgs against them of four and five like regularly, which is mm. just insane. Um, Lazio, I thought were fortunate to beat Lecce. They didn't play well. They were very flat, as as I think Sari said even before the game. But you know they got five wins in a row now, and they're getting results. There's been a mentality switch there, I think, for for Lazio, and obviously beating Roma in the Coppa is massive for them and their fans as well in the semi-finals of that. I think it's no coincidence what 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 this resurgence of form is. It's obvious what it is. They're out of. They're not playing in Europe now because it's it's the, the, the it's stopped. They're playing once a week. Okay, there's the Copper game, but they're, you know, when they're only playing domestically, Lazio can handle it. They can't handle playing two competitions. I honestly think it's as sim- I think it's as simple as that in terms of being up there to, to challenge the top four and not being down in mid table like they were before. I think that's there's. I think there's truth to that. Um, I think there is truth to that. Um, there is some truth to that, and. It's uh, they they're going to be out of the Champions League soon because they won't stand a snowball's chance in hell against Bayern Munich. So now they can focus on 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 the um, on the league and and they are doing it and and they will they they look once again like a side that will challenge for, for for a top four spot. The problem is, I wonder if I'm starting to think can they actually do it now? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm starting to think can they actually? Pull I, I, this I don't off? know. How, I think it's yeah. It's 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 too easy to every week say oh I think it could be this team this week could be this team this week could be this team this week because like everybody's given us reasons to 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 doubt them if you know what I mean and let me so put it this teams- way I think Napoli will finish in the top four I still think they'll turn it around but I think that uh, I think Fiorentina and Atalanta will drop off so yeah I'm gonna go with Napoli and Lazio fourth and fifth I think um, Fior- I, I, I I'm ready to discount Fiorentina Bologna and Torino um, but I think Atalanta, Lazio, and I even think Napoli and Roma, uh, as much as they're a mess, total mess with the coaches, coaching situation, I, I, I wouldn't rule them out either. So I think it it all depends what's happening each week. But Bologna definitely have had a downturn in form now. Uh, they really have. They've 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 uh, they've lost their way. Um, and they don't. One thing about Bologna is even when they were doing well. Um, and don't remember, they were my dark forces to finish in Europe, not Champions mm. League, but in Europe this season at mm. the start. They don't score many goals at all. They have no. one of the worst um, at- attack attacking records in the in in, in Serie A. Actually, well, they're they're, they're a bottom half team. Their attack this, this this season in terms of goals, so they 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 don't score enough goals, at Bologna, and that that means I think they they might drop points, draws when they should win, and, and mm-hmm. you know. Mm. I agree. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Okay, um, I'll just read out the other the other result it was Verona two, Empoli one, which makes the relegation race even tighter now. It's 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 a it's it's a hornet's rest and hornet's nest and this weekend Salernitana play Genoa and if they win that, I mean, mm. <laughs> oh my! Well, they have God. to win it, don't they? Yeah, they do. They I mean, they they're, they're 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 six points off safety now. I yeah. mean, they're 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 they risk being left behind. 
Mm. Which is a shame. They don't deserve it. They deserve to be higher. And in many ways, I feel like Salerno and Turner have more quality than than Empoli and Verona and even Cagliari. I feel like they have more qualities, but they they also have a lot of gaps in their team as well. Mm. Um, So it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult for them. It's very, very tight at the bottom. Um, Just before we go on to, no, two, two, Quick segments before we, we do Baggio, Premface and Serias of the week. First of all, I want to do a profile on... Shall we do a profile or should we leave it? Um, no, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's do, a do a profile. Okay. What have I done with it? It's right there. <laughs> uh, this is it. good. This is great. This is great content to listen to. <laughs> I don't know where it's uh, gone. Well, oh, it you... Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Okay. So who is, who is Keenan Yildiz? Juventus's Turkish Del Piero. So, right, let's profile Keenan Yildiz, who's been the, the breakout star of, uh, of Juventus um, this season, 18 years old. Um, and he's been compared to, of course, the Juventus legend Alessandro Del Piero. Who he, he has- <sighs> I died inside when I saw that comparison. Like, can we stop with these ridiculous Prem face style comparisons? Like, just because he celebrated with his goal with his tongue out. It's, <laughs> it's absurd. Like, stop. <laughs> Oh God! I just—I'm not even a Juventino, and I just cringe. I just want to lie in the fetal position and take a hot shower when I hear this nonsense. <laughs> the two of them—the two of them have a very much a bromance going on. Um, yeah, well, that's that's great, but he's not yeah. the new Alessandro Del Piero. Can we stop that, please? Can we, can we? Oh my God! I hate it when they called Osmond the Iranian Messi. There's nothing but <laughs> just—I want to. Oh, stop! Stop this. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Position. What position does he play in? So he's an attacking midfielder, winger or attacker. He has played as a as an attacker in a, in a two-man attack for, for, for Allegri. But he is very versatile and flexible. Mm. He, he can play in, in different systems. And he also has the attributes, I think, certainly, to play these different these different roles. And he he joined Juventus as a 16-year-old in the, in the summer of um, 2022. His contract at, at Bayern Munich uh, run out. And Juventus were, were fighting it out with Barcelona to, to get him on a free transfer. And Juventus managed to managed to sign him uh, at the time when uh, Bayern Munich was signing uh, Delict from 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 Juventus. Um, at the time, this was this was you know this was considered a massive coup for, for, for Juventus because he he was you know considered one of the the best in the world for for, for his age. And he's worked his way up through the under 19s of Juve and then the next gen team. And uh, but he was you know it's been clear that. For those that, that watched that watched him in those teams, that he was too good for that for that level, and there was some frustration earlier this season actually that he wanted to play in the first team, he wasn't getting his chance, and he was there was even questions that he could leave in January in order to get the, those opportunities. He actually made his his debut for Turkey, his full debut for Turkey before he made his full debut for for Juventus. Uh, he did did play some sub appearances earlier in the season for Juve. Um, but it's only really in the last month that he's he's absolutely exploded. Um, he scored a, a brilliant goal mm. against Frosinone uh, just before Christmas. He he, he, <clears> cut, he cut in from the left hand side in between two players, and he smashed it in uh, past the goalkeeper, and uh, that made him the youngest foreigner to score for Ju- for Juventus ever. And since then, he's he scored two more goals, two more, both of them fantastic goals. One in the Coppa Italia, again, cutting from the left, like Del Piero used to do, uh, and, and lashing it in. And also, <laughs> uh, he volleyed in a, a really good volley. This was a very underrated volley that he scored against um, 
Frosinone again in the Coppa Italia last week. It was a, a, a God, I'm going to die inside saying this, but it was like a platini pass from Western like McKenney. Stop. This needs to stop. Like this needs to stop. It was it was a platini pass. Like it kills me to say it. Yes, it, it was, was a fantastic pass. It was an amazing pass as well from and McKenney. And yeah. the volley, he, he yeah. kind of scissor kicked it in midair, facing forward. Yeah, it was beautiful. Uh, it was brilliant. Was beautiful. Brilliant technique. It was a beautiful pass. Yeah. yeah, and 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 he has a, has a fantastic qualities. The control he has, his technique. He can beat a man. He can go right and left. He he you know he can shoot. Um, and like I said before, very flexible tactically. He he seems to be. He seems to have a good attitude and temperament. Um, I mean, Allegri famously told him he had to cut his hair because it was too long, and he got it cut straight away <laughs> the next the next game. I but love Allegri going around the, telling people to cut their hair. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> said, but he actually has a point though, because because he said that he count. Allegri says I was standing there counting him how many times, and he touched it like ten times in the, in the space of a few minutes. Oh, you mean like the, yeah, like the concentration and just just mm. even you know like be fully concentrated on the game. Don't be touching your hair. So I kind of going to get where Allegri's coming from. But anyway, <laughs> I think if there is a, if there's a criticism that maybe he wants it too fast, like you need to be a bit, have a bit of patience sometimes, but I do, I, I do. Yeah. I, you can see that there's a, there's, he's, there's so much quality. So, so much quality. Um, he's, I mean, Allegri said that he's going to become a great player. Um, mm. Montella says he's going to be, he's going to be world-class. Um, and there's been a lot of there's a lot of quotes. Some of them sensational. Some of them comparing him to Ronaldo. Oh Some of them God. comparing him to Del Piero. <laughs> uh, but um, he's he's a he's a he's a huge huge talent. He's 18 years old. Yeah, he's, and he's, and it's the it's, yeah. it's it's that's what I find so interesting. Again, is this this next you know part of this Juventus next gen you know thing that they've got going with lots of interesting talented players who are just now you know starting to show who they are and he's one of them i think he's a really exciting player i, I really enjoy watching him play um he he's he's not um he seems like like we were just talking about how play you know the, the new modern footballer is not so much skill but it's more power and physique and and less technique but he's quite the opposite isn't he he does have the skill, but you know that can happen at teenage level, and then sometimes mm. it does get coached and drilled out of you. Yeah. And they tell you, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't shoot from long range, like I said before, don't, uh, you know, don't try and do back heels, play the high percentage, don't play the low percentage, you yeah. know. So we'll see that 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 can happen. Um, that can happen with players, but yeah, he's he's a big he's a big talent. You can tell some players, you can just tell straight away with him. Um, yeah, but you no, know, there's, we'll there's there's an interesting player there. We'll see how he develops, but I, I quite enjoy watching him play, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's already in the Turkey team. He's going to go to Euro 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of questions about you know the interest in him from Arsenal, and Liverpool, Liverpool, and Arsenal are interested in him. Um, there's no chance. First of all, there's zero chance of them signing this this month, obviously. Um, but I think that you, I think looking ahead, summer and beyond, this is a player that Juventus, you know. Uh, looking to build the, you know, build their future around players like this, like like mm-hmm. Gild is. Uh, it's their new policy of the club, and he's he's. I think more interesting in is who's going to be sacrificed for him in the summer. I said earlier in the show that Moise Keane could be made more likely to be alone, but be offloaded this this month because of Yildiz's emergence. Mm-hmm. Well, who is going to be? Somebody is going to be <clears throat> offloaded 
at least one of Juventus's players, unless they go to let's say they go to a, a, a three, a, you know, Allegri leaves and they go to a three-man strike force, then it's possible all five could stay. Maybe in a mm. different attack, there's more space for them. But it's likely that one of the five will leave in the summer. Uh, and you know, there's also questions about Chiesa because his contract runs out in uh, 2025 next year, and they still haven't signed a new contract. And if they don't sign a new contract by, let's say, by the Euros or by the, you know, let's say July, mm. then um, yeah, there, there's a possibility that, that that they could look to, to cash in on him because they're not going to risk losing him on a on a free. So yeah, this Yildiz's development has a lot of uh, knock-on effects for sure for for others uh, in the Juventus team. Before we do Badjo Premface and Serias of the week. Let's just uh, just a word for for Sven Goran Eriksson, um, who announced in the last few days that he is suffering from from terminal cancer, and mm. he, I mean, it was it was in some ways very very tough interview to 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 to, to watch, but also kind of in a in a strange way, it was such a, such a beautiful interview mm. in that just showing what a beautiful person he is and what an amazing person he is. And he was very open and honest and said, look, best case, I, I, you know, I, I probably have a year or so to, to, to live, uh, you know, maybe months. Um, and, but he also was very philosophical in that, you know, it kind of shows you life and that, you know, a good day for me is just waking up and it's good for me if I wake up and I feel good and I can enjoy every day. Uh, and it, it just shows you that, yeah, it, I mean, he's just such a, such an amazing guy. And uh, it was just so sad. I love what the La, La Yena did, um, that 13 minute video. They traveled to his home in Värmland where they, in Sweden, where they, you know, the, 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 the journalist had brought with him food from, from, uh, from Italy and they cooked a carbonara because that's what he loves. And, and they, they just had a chat over food. Um, and, and then, of course, after they ate, they played, they played messages from his former players and, and many of whom have become managers. And, you know, and the journalist said to that, so look, you've got Conceição, you've got Simon Inzaghi, you've got Stankovic, you had Mihailovic, you have, you've got Lombardo and Mancini, you've got Diego Simeone, you have Alessandro Nesta. Like, you know, what, what have you, what, you know, so many of your former uh, players are now successful coaches and very successful coaches. And, you know, what did you teach them? What do you hope that, you know, what did you teach them? And he said, and, and his response is just so quintessential who Sven Yaran is. Um, he said, I hope I taught them how to be a good human being and to treat others with respect and build and, and build a strong group that way. And that's, that is so him. That's just how he's been. He's not, he's never once, been the guy who humiliates players and yells at them and kicks stuff around and, and stuff like that. Of course he got angry, but it was always about, you know, leadership by consent. This, this very typical old school Swedish kind of, you know, you know, speak to someone's minds and hearts, win them over, win their minds and hearts over and they will, you know, and build a group that way. Mm. Um, and you could tell that, you know, Stankovic and Vieri were crying, you know, they had tears in their eyes. I they love the way him. they, I love the format of that video as well. The way that they went to kind of like the Panini book from the Scudetto yeah. winning season. And then I, they had the, it, it kind of went into their, 
into their photo and then mm. they appeared out of the photo yeah. uh, on video to say beautiful. you could see the tears in his eyes like yeah no, he was tears mad. you know yeah, after was. after it i mean yeah no, it was, was it was again another you know another demonstration of how there truly is no one in who can who who more sincerely and more heartfeltly and more beautifully and honestly pay tribute to their heroes as Italian football does. Yeah. It's, it's unique and it no is. one else does it. And it's so beautiful. Um, and to see, and, and everyone, you know, you know, he, he was, you know, he, he, he was, he won everything with, with, mm. there was to win with, with Lazio. It was the most successful stint as a club ever. Um, and then to see Vieri that emotional and Stankovic that emotional and, and Consigliere. But you only have that when you when the person is a great person as well. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can you can be a ma- fantastic manager, but in the day when when your health isn't good and 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 you know you don't get. I mean, it was so sincere, like you said. And no, it was. And it, was. And it was. It was beautiful, and and it was moving. It was incredibly mm. beautiful. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's a very it's very very, very very kind person, and we obviously hope that. You know, he can live for 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 for, for much much longer. Um, mm. He's come onto our podcast twice, and he was very very generous and with his time. And he's always been like that. Always been very generous to people. And had a lot mm. of time for people, and he's um, yeah, just a great person. Mm. Yes, lovely man, a lovely man who, oh, one of the good people in football who's always been very treats everyone the same. Uh, mm. and, and views everyone the you know doesn't doesn't do you know treats has has a view on life and outtake on life which is very healthy and very traditional to the to the Sweden that I grew up in um, which unfortunately no longer exists yeah yeah well said right let's finish off with Badjo Premface and Celia Ass of the week okay so two Badjos the first we've already said and that was the the tribute to to Sven. Uh, and I mean, just just how beautiful it was. But the second bad show that I have was uh, a great moment of sportsmanship from um, Lorenzo Dickman, the Brescia player, who basically had a run in on goal, and he he stopped play when the Modena uh, his opponent from Modena, Shady Ukada, pulled up with an injury, and instead of continuing to attack at goal and, and, and trying to score, he uh, he stopped and he kicked the ball out, knocked the ball out of play. And that was a great moment of, of sportsmanship from, uh, from, from Dickman. Brilliant. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, he wasn't a dick about it. Oh, <laughs> hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That reminded me of Di Canio. Do you remember when Di Canio did that in a, yeah. in a West Ham game yeah. where he had a chance to score and somebody was injured on the floor and he just picked up the ball? And that was like a year after he'd pushed the referee yeah. over. So like he'd got you went from like, <laughs> like the, the worst sportsman to the best sportsman in like the space of a year. No in between with that guy. Um, no. There's there's never anything in between with him, uh, for sure. Hmm. Okay, prem face of the week. Oh, right, I've got mate, I've got th- I've got two. The first one is our dear good friend Max Rushton and his podcast, where they compared Cole Palmer to Kaká. 
which no. is just chef's kiss. Yes, they did. No. Uh, thank you in to Mike way? Lazar for sending that. What's the comparison? Um, he sent it in. He DM'd it to us um, on their podcast, um, oh, and, and it, Mike Lazar sent it to us. Uh, <laughs> and, and I died a little inside just quickly listening to it before we started recording cold, today. Cold Palmer, they call him. No, co- yeah, Cold they call Palmer. Him cold, yeah. They call him Cold Palmer because he's like, the, yeah. like cold from penalty. Like, all he does is score penalties, Cold Palmer. He doesn't do anything <laughs> else. Penalty. Yeah, it's but penalty. It's, it's in like the a penalty it's, merchant. It's, it's 32 minutes in to, to, he sent it to us on the link, Michael Lazar. Mm. So thank you for sending okay. that in. Um, so it's in our DMs. So you can check that. And, and then we, we, um, then we have Sky Sports, uh, which we alluded to in the beginning. And, and I think it's one of the funniest things. I, I just couldn't stop laughing. Um, when they referred to Daniele De Rossi as Daniel De Rossi. <laughs> Daniel like, Rossi. Daniel Rossi, yeah, I think it was Daniel Ro- Rossi or Daniel De Rossi, but they oh. called him Daniel, and I couldn't stop laughing. If they if they didn't have the dare in it, and that's that's all time top three Hall of Fame, <laughs> Daniel. If they called him Daniel Rossi, like without the dare, I mean it's bad enough Daniel De Rossi, but if they called him Daniel Rossi, then that is. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I I, I absolutely. Who read it love out? It. Was it one of the Was it one of the presenters? Yeah, it's one of the presenters. One of the presenters. Mm, it it just it just made me laugh so much I could not stop laughing, um, and 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 it just oh, I was hilarious. I've got uh, two. This one I think you sent this one to me. This was brilliant. So yeah. this is the TNT graphic promoting the Africa Cup of Nations. TNT are basically the the replacement of BT Sport in 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 England, and they were they were doing they put up a graphic to to to, to promote the Africa Cup of Nations, which started uh, I think a weekend. And they had they were trying to show all the African players that play in the Premier League that are at the at the tournament, which they did. Only that they also included an, an Iran player. In the, in yeah, Salman Rodus, who plays for. I mean, he plays in the Premier. He plays for Iran, but he's a Premier League player, and it's like, uh, plays for Brentford, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, brilliant! And the second one was uh, our good friend Jamie Carragher, who was having a debate with Gary Neville on who should be in the uh, the the team of the year, like the world team of the year. I think this was. Yeah. And uh, Carragher went for Messi, and then Gary Neville said that he wanted Vinicius Junior in, and he explained how he's had thirty five goal contributions this year. And then Jamie Carragher responded, it's a joke league, a joke league. What, what, I don't know what my accent is. What did yeah. Real Madrid win? That's what, that's yeah, what he it's, said. Um... So he, he called the, he called La Liga a joke league, basically. So yeah, Vin- Vinicius uh, Jr. cannot be in the, in the, the team of the year because uh, Vinicius Jr. plays in a, in a joke league. The funny thing is, is like literally a couple of hours after he said that, Vinicius Junior scored a 38-minute hat trick in the Clasico against Barcelona. <laughs> so, yeah, he, uh, yeah. He uh, spat in the face of Jamie Carragher, let's say, with that with that um, hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Serie ass of the week to finish off. Right, I've got two, both from the Serie A Twitter account. Do you have anything? No, go for it. So the first one is an image of Domenico Berardi with his hands in the air. I don't know what, what when... This wasn't the Juventus game. It was the game before. And then it had the caption, 
after further review, touchdown with an American football emoji. Yeah, yeah, that, that was that was the idea. That was so cringy as well. Like, I don't understand what mm-hmm. that's referring to at all. No idea. And anyway, uh, another Syria uh, Twitter account post with an image of Selena Gomez speaking to Taylor Swift, Swift in a kind of a gossipy kind of way, a kind of, you know, kind of Chinese whispers. Oh, you know what he said, she said, you know, like one of those kind of images. And they, they put a picture caption in quotes. So Wes left Juve on loan, but then came back refreshed and bagged two assists yesterday. And I think it's just one player of the month. The US MNT boys are on fire. <laughs> I, I th- yeah, I don't know what that is either. It was very cringy, but apparently it's a meme that's going around because I don't know. It, they they are very cringy, aren't they? I mean, it, it's it's just ugh. this is the Serie A official Twitter account. This isn't like the Serie A uh, America. They have a yeah. the Serie A. They have a North America. Twitter account on in Instagram. Case, like, no, no, on Instagram they've got a separate account. Yeah, but they have. Mm. Don't they have that on Twitter as well? No, no. All right, no, so it might be the no. Americans, the Americans that are running that. Maybe mm. they are. Like, I have no problem like with for the American audience doing that. But I mean, just this Americanization again, like what we've said. Same no, but they've, they've done the right thing there on 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 um, on Instagram. They've created a North American account to pander to the North American That's audience. Fine. That's fine. That's perfectly Great. fine. Do what you need to do. But when you do it on, like, when you say it's a Serie A English account, it's to all English speakers, and half of them are wondering what the actual F It's not just about. for English speakers, Ivan Nim. It's for the whole world. English is the language. <laughs> English is the language of, of the world, is the world's yes. language. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's the language, most spoken language. I think it's most spoken language. Um, no, after Chinese or after Spanish. Chinese, know, but, you know, most countries yeah. anyway speak yeah. it. And um, so, you know, it's. it's, it's you've got to cater for everyone not just a, an american an american audience uh, and you know i don't know how many times i have to say it but uh yeah there we go and if you are going to do american stuff which you can do from time to time that's of fine. course um that's fine i mean yeah mm. <laughs> it's it is what it is it is what it is but it's it's very very cringy um <laughs> And it just makes no sense. And it's like, uh, for me, that's Selena Gomez, uh, Taylor Swift video or image of them gossiping was just, uh, I, I it literally felt like, you know, don't leave your phone unattended near your teenager kind of thing. You know what I mean, like memeing like a, like a teenager is just, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Okay, right. Let's leave it at that. Uh, another long episode today. Um, we we will be back next week. Um, we, we we can't promise another episode this week. We're, we're trying to set up something to do a Mercato deep dive this week, but it depends, obviously, if, if the person we want to talk to has time. So, you know, just, you know, bear with us. But next week, we will be, we'll definitely, we're doing one uh, on Monday, uh, a review show of the weekend. We will be doing a Q&A show on for the Tuesday, and then we'll also be doing a very exclusive interview Somewhat related to the Serias content that we always produce week in, week out. It's an exclusive interview. Watch out for that. And then, of course, on Thursday next week, we'll be doing a midweek review as well. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely doing we're doing quite a bit of content to make up for the last weeks, which have been a bit of a mess due to illnesses and, 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 and stuff like that and uh, schedule clashes. So, yeah, bear with us. Yeah. Yeah, we will. We'll be doing more. We'll definitely be doing more. Uh, and we'll certainly make it up to you guys. Don't worry about that. 
Um, okay, right. Let's leave it at that. Enjoy the rest of the week. And we'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao.